Thank you, Brady. I love that song. That is a, a savior I can trust my soul to, isn't it you? All right, let's open our Bibles now again to Genesis chapter 15. I pray this before every service, but I certainly have prayed tonight that God would send His Spirit on us and enable us to understand and to believe the, what I hope to preach tonight. My subject and title is Righteousness Imputed. Now this subject of righteousness imputed is so important that it is impossible to understand or to, or to believe how it is God saves sinners unless we first understand how it is God makes his people righteous. It's by the righteousness of Christ being imputed to his people. You know, they say the book of Job is the oldest recorded, oldest writing in the, in the Bible. That Job lived before Abraham, before, certainly long before Moses. And this was Job's question, the age-old question, how should a man be just with God? How is that possible? Job said, what is man that he should be clean? How is it possible that he which is born of a woman should be righteous? How is that possible? That's the age-old question. And we can't know the answer to that question until we understand this. Christ's righteousness imputed to his people. Now, we can't know anything about how God saves sinners. And we can't believe on Christ until we understand this. How can God remain just and holy and still justify the ungodly? The gospel we preach is the only gospel that answers that question. Every other gospel lowers the standard. In some way, somehow, God, God is not just that he, that he would ignore the sin of people. or God is, is not just that, that Christ would die for somebody. God sent to hell anyway because you know, it was up to them to, to accept Jesus. The gospel we preach is the only gospel to answer this question. How can God be just and right and holy and still justify a sinner like you and me? How's that possible? Now, we're talking a lot about righteousness tonight. Well, what is righteousness? Righteousness is perfect obedience to God's law. It's not being guilty of any sin. Now, that ought to make it obvious to us. Righteousness can't be earned by us. We can't earn righteousness by our, our obedience to the law because all we do is break God's law. Now, righteousness has been earned, but it was earned by the Lord Jesus Christ. As a man made under the law, made under the very same law we live under, the difference between us and him is he obeyed it. He obeyed it perfectly. He established a righteousness for his people. He made his people righteous. Just like Adam made his, his race unrighteous. Christ made his race to be righteous. And that righteousness is received by God's people through faith. Through faith in Christ. It's, it's received so simply. Just by believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is all it takes to save me. He's all I need. I just trust my all to him. That kind of faith is what receives its righteousness. Now righteousness imputed through faith. It's a cornerstone foundational truth of all of the Bible. It's all the way through it. You can't understand any of it, really, until you understand this. Christ's righteousness imputed to his people. Righteousness imputed is a pillar that holds up the whole gospel. 
that we preach. It all hangs upon this. How can a man be just with God? So it's a very important topic, isn't it? Christ, our righteousness. Now this is the very first time in Scripture that it's spelled out how a sinner has been made righteous through faith in Christ. Look at verse 6, Genesis 15. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now there were other believers who were righteous before Abraham was born. Noah. I know he was righteous. God said, I've seen Noah righteous before me in his generation. Abel was righteous. He came with a blood sacrifice to worship God through a blood sacrifice. That lamb Abel offered is the picture of how it is God makes his people righteous through the sacrifice of Christ. I'm confident Adam was righteous. Adam was one taught Abel. This is how God is to be worshipped through the blood sacrifice. So there were believers who lived before Abraham, who were righteous before Abraham lived. But this is the first time it's spelled out specifically, here's how sinners made righteous. All these other men who were women who were believers lived before Abraham. They were made righteous the same way. But this is the first time it's spelled out in Scripture. It's through faith in Christ. By believing God. And here's why I point that out. Abraham is the father of the faithful. If you and I are going to be made righteous, we're going to be made righteous the very same way Abraham is made righteous. It's by believing God. By believing the word of God. Now I'm going to look at these first six verses of Genesis chapter 15. Make four points on how it is that a sinner is made righteous. In Christ our righteousness. Number one is this. A sinner can only be made righteous through the sacrifice of Christ. Verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield. Now the Lord comes to Abraham and he tells him, Don't be afraid. And I wonder, why did he tell him that? Well, maybe Abraham had been thinking about what he'd just done. He got a little bit concerned. Maybe he got a little worried. I don't know. Abraham just won, remember, this great military victory over those four kings, and he took all the spoils, all that wealth, and the just great wealth that he took from those four kings, and he gave every last bit of it to the king Solomon. Didn't keep any of it for himself. He said, let these other fellows take something if they want. Let the fellows you know, have, have what they needed to eat and, and as we went on this military expedition, but I'm not keeping any of it. And Abraham got home, and might be he got a little worried. Am I always going to pay my bills? If I'd have kept all this, this wealth, I'd, I'd never had to worry about money again. Am I going to run short now? Did, did I make a mistake here? Maybe Abraham was afraid. He went and poked all those kings in the eyes. Now they're, they're all going to gather. He made an enemy of those fellas. And now they're going to gather together and, and come and seek their revenge on Abraham. And, you know, they're going to have a surprise attack, you know. And, and he's in trouble and now he's afraid. Always somebody's going to come and, and attack him. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm sure of this. The sudden appearance of the Lord to Abraham made him fear. That I know. I mean, all of us ought to fear at being in the presence of Almighty God. Now, I don't know if Abraham was afraid he's going to wind up needy after he gave away all those riches or not. I don't know if he's afraid of these new earthly enemies he'd made. I don't know. He could have been, couldn't he? Could have been. Our weak faith makes us afraid of things we ought not be afraid of. So maybe he, he was afraid of that. But we do know this. Abraham felt fear, reverence, 
at suddenly being in the presence of the Lord. The Lord suddenly appeared to him. And he should. Sinners like you and me should fear being in the presence of a holy God. Our God is a consuming fire. If we come before God as we are, in our sin, we'll be consumed. God's holiness and his justice demands it. We can't stand in our sin in God's presence. No sinner can do that. We have to be righteous in order to be accepted. Now we know all we are is sin, don't we? We think standing before God. And God tells his people the same thing he tells Abraham. Fear not. Fear not. You come boldly before my throne of grace because I'm your shield. I'm your shield. I'm your shield that will take all of the fire of God's wrath against your sin. I'll shield it from you. I'll take it and protect you from that fire so you'll not be destroyed. I'll be your shield. As you go into battle, I'll be your shield. We'll protect you from all of Satan's fiery darts. And you know what Satan's fiery darts are? They're accusations of our sin. And we think, I'm afraid of those because I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. He hurls these accusations of sin against us. He's the accuser of the brethren. And the Savior says, fear not. Fear not. You don't have to fear Satan. I'll protect you. I'll be your shield. So none of those charges will ever be able to stick to you and none of them will be able to condemn you. The Lord Jesus Christ is the shield of his people. He's the hiding place of his people. He's the place where we hide from God's wrath against our sin. Now here it is. Here's how God can be just and justify the ungodly. Here's the answer to Job's question. How is it possible that a sinful man can ever be just with God? How can he be born of a woman? How can he possibly be righteous? Here's the answer. Christ our Savior. That's the answer. It's by hiding in Christ. God's people hide in Christ and the punishment our sin deserves is poured out. It all hits our shield. It all hits Christ, our hiding place, and he takes the punishment that the sin of his people deserves. Christ bears the heat of his father's wrath against the sin of his people, and he bears it till the heat's gone. You know, in the Old Testament, every sacrifice they ever offered, the fire consumed the sacrifice, didn't it? The fire burned till the sacrifice was just burned up. Christ our Savior offered himself as lamb without spot to his father. The sacrifice consumed the fire. He suffered until the fire went out. And you know why the fire went out? The sin that fueled the fire is gone. Put away by his precious blood. Christ has suffered. Christ has died. Sin's gone. And the Savior says, fear not. Don't fear standing before God in judgment. Don't fear God coming and striking you down for your sin. Justice has already been satisfied in the death of the substitute. So you'll never die. Your substitute died for you. That's how God can be just and still justify the ungodly. Now look over 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I know this is uh, almost every single person here, as soon as I said that, scripture reference could quote it in your head. We quote it all the time. But I want we're going to read it, look at it, let this sink in. Here's how God's elect are made righteous. It's by the sacrifice of Christ for our sin. Verse 21, For he, God the Father, hath made him, God the Son, sin for us. Him who knew no sin, that we might be made 
the righteousness of God in him. Now that's the only way God can remain just and still justify the ungodly. The father made his son sin for his people. I was talking to a preacher friend of mine the other day and this this verse came up and uh, he got pretty riled up. <laughs> People accuse us of saying when we say that Christ was, was made sin that we're accused of saying Christ was made a sinner. And he said, I don't know anybody. I don't even know a false prophet who says Christ was made a sinner. He said, I don't know anybody who says that. Christ was made sin. He was made sin for his people. All the sin of all of his people was met, was put on the Lord Jesus Christ, his body upon the tree. And when he was made sin, the father didn't say, well, now this is my son. He knew no sin. He, he, he didn't really do, do this sin. So I won't, I'll just kind of go light on him. No. God is holy. And he fully exhausted his wrath against all of that sin. He poured it all out upon his son, unmitigated fury, unmitigated justice for that sin. And he suffered until the sin was gone. And he gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost. That's how God's justice is satisfied. Sin has been punished in our substitute. The father took the sin of his people away from them. It didn't belong to them anymore. He made it belong to his son. He made his son to be sin for his people. And in exchange, the father took the righteousness of his son and imputed it to his people. He made them righteous. He gave them that righteousness. He made them the very righteousness of God in him. And he could do that because he took the sin of his people and put it on his son. And his son, by his sacrifice, made that sin to not exist anymore. It's not like, well, it used to exist over here, not exist over here. No, sir. It used to exist over here on us. The father put it on his son, and then the son made it not to exist anymore. And in justice, in, in righteousness, God made his people righteous because they are without sin, because the death of Christ, our substitute, took it away. That's how God made his people righteous. All right, number two, look back at our text, Genesis 15. Righteousness can only be earned by the Lord Jesus Christ. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I am your reward. Now, this is a thing that it amazes me and the thing that I love about God's salvation. How it is God made it right for him to have mercy on his people. He didn't do it by ignoring his law. He didn't do it by ignoring the holiness of his character. He did it by satisfying it. And he made it right for him to show mercy to his people. Instead of condemning them, he made it right to show mercy to them. Now that way, salvation is sure for a sinner like me. That the Father made it right for him to have mercy on my sorry soul. And the Lord comes to Abraham and he tells him, Abraham... You don't have to worry about giving away these riches. You don't have to worry about all this earthly junk. I am your exceeding great reward. Now we think of salvation as a gift, don't we? And that's the way we ought to think of it, as a gift. It's absolutely right. Salvation is by grace. Salvation is all unearned. 
by us. And even though we don't deserve it, God gives it to us anyway. That's grace, isn't it? It's a free gift. And the reward that God gives his people is not things. And you know why we think that when we think of all these blessings? and things? It's because we're so tied to this flesh. But the blessing God gives his people is not things. The reward is a person. The Savior says, I am thy exceeding great reward. The reward is not streets of gold and pearly gates and a big house on a hill in, in heaven. The reward is Christ. It's knowing him. The reward is seeing him. The reward is being made just like him. Just like him. I'm telling you, it doesn't, you can't find a greater reward than that. Being made just like Christ. What a reward. And all the gospel that we preach, everything we hope for, it's all in a person. Salvation is a person. Salvation is knowing and loving and trusting a person. Salvation is not in knowing the right doctrines. Brother Fortner told me one time I wouldn't spend two seconds trying to convince anybody that election is true. I wouldn't spend two seconds trying to convince anybody that. He said, I will preach Christ to them. And if the Father's pleased to reveal Christ to them, they'll have no problem with election. See, if you know Christ, you believe Him, it's going to be as plain as day to you. He chose me, I didn't choose Him. It's obvious, isn't it? See, if you know the person, all your doctrine will be right. If you know Christ, you're going to know this. He didn't die for somebody that's going to go to hell. He didn't die for somebody to give somebody a chance to be saved. If Christ died for somebody, this is what I know He did. He saved his people from their sin. That's what he came to do. And that's exactly what he did. He's the son of God. Of course his death redeemed everybody that he, that he died for. Of course it did. Christ died for his elect and only his elect. And none of those people can ever perish. Because Christ died in their place. If Christ died for you, you know this. Your debt's paid. <laughs> you can't be condemned. See, your doctrine will be right. If you know and trust Christ. So don't bother trying to teach them by doctrine. Just preach Christ to them. Tell them about Christ. Their doctrine will fall right into place. You don't have to worry about an Armenian thinking they, they got to uh, make their decision for Jesus in order to be saved. If you know Christ, you'll know this. Salvation is by grace. It's by grace. I can't earn it. It had to be given to me freely by his grace. I can't earn salvation. I can only receive it. But salvation's earned. Now we don't earn it, but salvation is earned. Somebody had to earn it. Salvation is earned by the Lord Jesus Christ. The word reward here, I always just kind of thought that word meant a free gift or, you know, something like But you know what it means? It means wages. It means pay. That's exactly what it means. Something that something somebody earned. Wages are something that belong to you. They're rightfully yours because you earned them, didn't you? I used to, uh, when I worked the warehouse, go around on, on Fridays, hand out checks to people that, that worked for me. You know, and people would say, thank you. And I, I mean, what do you say? You know, but you're welcome. But this is what I always thought. Don't thank me. You earned it. <laughs> thank you for showing up to work. You know, Wages is something you earned. It's, it belongs to you. Well, Scripture says the wages of sin is death. 
Now that's all you and I can earn by our works. Death. Because everything we do is sin. So how is it possible our wages can be Christ? How is it possible that our pay can be Christ? How is it possible our wages can be righteousness? How is that even possible if the wages of sin is death? Well, it's our wages because the Lord Jesus Christ earned it for his people. He earned it as their federal head and what he did, he did for his people. Christ is the head of the body and everything he did, his people did in him. See, it's our wages because Christ earned it for us. The Lord Jesus Christ made his people the righteousness of God in him and it's their righteousness it rightfully belongs to them. Because Christ earned it for them and he gave it to them. It's theirs. It belongs to them because he gave it to them. And God's justice demands those people be saved. That they be ultimately glorified together with Christ because they have been made righteous. You, do, If you believe Christ, you do not have to fear standing before the judgment seat of Christ. You do not have to fear at all judgment in any way whatsoever because God made it right for him to glorify his people and you who believe I I personally don't don't believe that a, a believer is going to even stand in judgment we've already been judged in Christ but however that's going to work I, I don't know that's just what I happen to think but you don't have to worry about it God's justice demands you be glorified because Christ made you righteous that's the reward. That's the wages that's yours because Christ earned it for you. All right, number three. Righteousness is received through faith in Christ. Now, you're not made righteous when you believe. Christ made you righteous. Any more than you became a sinner first time you sinned. Adam made you a sinner, didn't he? Adam made you unrighteous by what he did. You're just born that way. You're just born coming into the world that way, speaking lies. Christ made his people righteous. We receive it in our experience when God gives us faith in Christ. That's what happened with Abraham here. Abraham trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave Abraham faith to trust the one who was coming. Abraham had faith. He believed. He looked forward to Christ. He looked forward to his coming. Abraham saw my day and was glad. That's what the Lord said. If God's going to save you and me, it's going to be by the very same faith. Faith that looks to and trusts in and relies on the Lord Jesus Christ. We just are looking back to his finished work while Abraham looked forward to it. But it's faith in the same person. Faith in the same one who established righteousness for his people. Now our text says, and I never saw this before I started studying this. And, or never, it never really occurred to me. The word of the Lord came and spoke to Abraham. Well, who's the word of the Lord? Christ the Savior. John told us that in John 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God, in a pre-incarnate appearance, had to be, came and talked to Abraham and made this promise to him. Now, ten years ago, in our, in our study, it's just been a few chapters, but ten years ago, God promised Abraham he and Sarah would have a son. They still don't have a son. They're still childless. So look what Abraham says, verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? 
seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born of my house is mine heir. Now this is not a question of unbelief. Abraham didn't ask this because he didn't believe God. He asked this question because he did believe God. (laughs) He said, Lord, you said I'd have a son. I believe you. But where's he at? Lord, you said the whole earth is going to be blessed by my seed. But I don't have a son. Where's this coming from? Where's this blessing coming from if I don't have a son? I believe the seed you promised, but where's the son? And it's a fair question. It's God promised it. When's he going to fulfill it? So the Lord answers in verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, came unto him, saying, This should not be thine heir, but he that should come forth out of thine own bowels should be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed. He believed the Lord who spoke to him. He believed the Lord Jesus Christ. This was Christ speaking, and he believed him. See, he did more than believe what the Lord said. He believed the one who's speaking. He did more than believe Isaac's going to be born someday. Abraham is looking a whole lot further down the road than this. He's looking to the Redeemer. He's looking past Isaac to the one who would come from Isaac. Abraham is looking to Christ the seed. The apostle told us that, Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he saith not into seeds as of many, but as of one. Into thy seed, which is Christ. That's who Abraham's looking for. Abraham believed. And he trusted his soul to Christ. He believed him. And God counted it. He imputed it to him for righteousness. Now God didn't just suddenly make Abraham righteous because he believed. That's not what imputed means. That's not what accounted means. Impute is an accounting term. You can only impute what's already there. You can already record in the books and charge to the books what's already there. I've used this example many times. When I've worked at the warehouse, I was in charge of the finances and I would take care of the bank account. Every day, I would log in the deposit that we made, you know, for that day. And now our new bank balance, you know, is this. And some days we made huge deposits, maybe one and a half, one and three quarter million dollars, you know, just all in one day. Well, buddy, I can't put on those books a $1.5 million deposit unless one's been made. I imputed there what was already made. God imputed righteousness to Abraham. Christ made him, or because Christ made him righteous and he received it by faith. This is in Abraham's experience. He received it by faith. He received it by believing the seed. Christ is all it takes to save me. Abraham had no children. God said, look up here to the stars. I mean, can you imagine how many stars you saw in that with no pollution or anything? We used to uh, go down, uh, I would get off work on a Friday night and we'd go see Janet's mother. She she lives down in Cherokee, North Carolina. We'd go over the Smoky Mountains there. And a couple of times I'd stop at the very top of that mountain. That means close to midnight probably, you know, at this time. 
in the dark, you know. And I pull off the side of the road and say, let's look at these stars. And I turn off, I turned off the car. That's what freaked Jan out. She said, don't turn that car off up here, you know. I'm just, ah, what if it doesn't start? If I want to turn the lights out. Look at these stars. Can you imagine how many stars Abraham saw that night? No pollution, no light pollution, no smog, no nothing. Oh, the stars. God says, that's how many children you're going to have. That's how many people the Lord Jesus Christ is going to redeem. And Abraham believed it before he ever had a son. Because he believed the word of God. He believed what God said. Now, the only way a sinner can be made righteous is through faith in Christ. It's by trusting him, even though we can't imagine how he's going to do it. He's going to keep his word. He's going to save his people. He's going to save them without any works of our own. Righteousness cannot come by the law. Abraham here, righteousness was imputed to him. The law is not going to begin for their 400 years. The law has got nothing to do with this. It's all faith in Christ. Abraham wasn't righteous by keeping laws or observing ceremonies. He's not circumcised yet. Abraham was made righteous by trusting Christ. It's by faith in Christ. All right, here's the last thing. Christ, our righteousness, is only revealed through the preached word of God. Now, Abraham believed Christ. He's the word of God. The word of the Lord came to him. Abraham believed him. But he also believed the spoken word of God, didn't he? God made this promise to him. Abraham believed it. Abraham believed what God said. You want to believe what God says to you? God's not going to talk to you audibly like he did to Abraham, but you want want to believe what God has to say to you? Here it is. This is what God has to say to men. Everything you need to know in order to believe on Christ is right here. Every blessing God has for a sinner is revealed right here. This is what God says. Now open it up and read it and believe it. Now I know when you open up and read the, the Word of God, it's hard to understand, isn't it, sometimes? Sometimes it's hard to understand. Don't you often feel like that Ethiopian eunuch? How can I understand what's being said here except some man tell me? Well, that's where preaching comes in. This book is what God has to say to men. And God's pleased to reveal it to his people through the foolishness of preaching. By preaching the word. I wrote an article on this in the, for the bulletin last Sunday. I t- I'm just, I'm so committed to this. I'm so determined. God is my helper. I'm determined to do this. To preach nothing to you but Christ. To preach nothing to you but this word. And God help us to never get off on a tangent. There's a lot of things I think. There's a lot of the opinions of mine that, that I hold very, very dear. But not one of them is going to do a blessed thing for your soul. But this will. And I tell you, I'm determined to preach it. By God's grace, I'm determined to preach it because righteousness comes by believing the word of God, the truth of God, the, the gospel of Christ that's revealed in this word. Righteousness comes by hearing the preaching of the bare word of God. I'm not trying to impress anybody with all of your oratory skills and, and all these things, you know. It's, uh, somebody told me recently, oh, I'd love to go hear this, this preacher, you know. It's, I mean, he just looks the part. He's so handsome and... 
Well, I mean, I reckon that's better than being ugly. I mean, I don't know, but that's not helping you none. Righteousness comes by believing the bare preaching of the Word of God. The bare Word of God. Righteousness doesn't come by going through some religious ceremony now. It's by believing the Word. What does God say? I mean, let's find out what God says and believe it. Righteousness is not feeling. You know, we get this good religious feeling because we've got this religious atmosphere created by, you know, smokes and candles and music and so forth, you know. Righteousness is a state of the soul where Christ has made his people righteous. And that righteousness can only be believed by the word of God. It can only be received by believing the word of God. And that's why we constantly preach it. That's why we're so committed to preaching. We can't be made righteous by anything that we do. Even believing believing Christ doesn't make us righteous, does it? Christ made us righteous. Believing Christ enables us to receive it. (laughs) Believing Christ is when we receive it by experience. Christ made that righteousness on Calvary's tree. And he reveals that to his people through the preached word. Somebody's got to, if we're going to believe him, somebody's got to preach him to us, don't they? Somebody's got to. Now, Abraham is called the father of the faithful. Like I said, he wasn't the first one to have faith in Christ, but he was the first one where it was spelled out this way. He is made righteous, imputed righteousness to him because he believed God. Abraham is the father in this way. He's the illustration that God chose in Scripture to show us how it is he saves his people by his grace. Not their works, by his grace. By the righteousness of Christ imputed in. That's why I read Romans 4 to start the service. That's what it's all about. Righteousness comes by believing Christ, not our works. If God's going to save you and me, he's going to do it the same way he did Abraham. By giving us faith to believe Christ. And that's, I go right back to my opening comments when I started the message tonight. It's my prayer that the Lord will take his word it has been preached and cause us to believe it. Cause us to believe it. That's how God makes his people receive the righteousness that Christ made for them. All right, let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, how we thank you for salvation that is full and sure and just, satisfies every, every attribute of your holiness and your, your justice and your righteousness through the sacrifice of Christ our Savior, where he put the sin of his people away by his sacrifice and made them righteous. Father, I pray that you'd give each heart here this evening faith to believe him. Faith to believe. He's all I need. I don't have any of my works, any of my experience, anything I think, say, or do to him, but trust Christ and Christ alone. Father, exalt him so much that he's all we see, all we believe, and all we desire. It's in his precious name we pray and give thanks. Amen. All right, Isaac. Stand and sing 222.